There we go. Good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, good to see all your lovely faces, and yeah, you can share. I don't know who was that. Who was that chair? Well done, yes. It really is good to be together. Is it nice for you guys? <laughs> yeah, it really is. It is amazing. So to, uh, tonight, um, as, we, as we start, it feels like I haven't preached in a while, so it's good to see your faces. I did say that. It's good to see my face as well. I'm sure you guys have missed me. <laughs> but um, yeah, tonight I'm going to share about uh, being alone, but with God, because as we enter this holiday season, and all of us, I'm sure, are going to have some sort of holiday, whether that's a long weekend, or like the students that you're going to have the next six months off, basically, <laughs> except those of you who are write, writing um, Hara, you have a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a short holiday. But actually, the thing that we've been speaking about is that we need to learn not only to rest, but to rest in God. And the way that we rest in God is to actually spend time with Him. So this holiday, make time to be alone, but not just alone, alone with God, because you can't escape Him, and that's really a good thing. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly pray for us and then jump into it. Uh, tonight, specifically, I'm going to speak about the Bible and Bible reading. And I'm hoping that something, something of our anger gets stirred up in us so that this holiday we would pick up the Bible, but not only pick it up, but be able to dig through it and find treasure and find, find food for our souls this holiday so that we can be sustained and grow closer to God when we isolate it from other people, that we would still find God through His Scriptures. So I'm hoping that's exciting for you um, and that it equips us. And it's, let me just say this also before I pray. It's going to be a bit of a risky sermon, so if it bombs out completely... It's okay. It's like end of the year. Many people have left. It's fine. <laughs> it's not important. And no, I'm joking. <laughs> if it bombs out, because what I'd like to do is as, we, as I go through a couple of ways that I think we should read Scripture and give some tips into how to find God through the Scripture, I'm going to throw it out to you and, and ask that you give me a Bible passage, and we're going to go through a Bible passage together. But I haven't prepared that Bible passage, so we're going we're to put it into practice tonight. It could bomb out, right? that it should be fine, because the Word of God is full of so many treasures. So, Father, thank you so much for this evening, Lord, for the fact that we get to, yeah, Lord, that we get to open up the Bible, we get to open up the Word, that we get to look at the things that you've given us to get to know you better. And Lord, I pray tonight that as I speak and as we look at your Word, that you would deposit something, before all of the techniques, Lord, that you would deposit something of a hunger, for the Word of God, and ultimately to get to know you better in our hearts, Lord. I pray for every angry heart sitting here, Lord, that you would make us a people who say, I want to find my God through the Scriptures. I want to get to know Him better, and I want to walk closer to Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I remember my, the first Bible that I got. I got saved when I was 17 years old, and my aunt at that stage, she bought me a Bible. It was a, a brown I called it later on, I called it the Nieuwe Levende Verdwaling. It was a NL, NLT, but the Afrikaans one, not the best, but it's okay. <laughs> and I got the Nieuwe Levende Verdwaling, and I, I just, as a young Christian, I had absolutely no clue how to read this Bible. It was, it was like this treasure that was opened before me, and I wanted to get to know God, and I knew that through the Scriptures, through the Bible, I could get to know God. So, there was something of a hunger in me, but also something of, of, a, of a being ill-equipped, not knowing how to find Him. And I remember those first few days of, of trying to seek God in the Bible and actually finding Him in, in beautiful ways. Remember, 
the biggest question that I had is, which highlighters do I use that won't go through the page? <laughs> and which pens can I use that won't smudge? And how do I highlight and where do I start? I'm not sure. Should I start in Genesis? Should I start in Matthew? Should I start in Revelation? Because that sounds very holy. Where should I start? I just had, I had no clue, but I was hungry for God. And I know that for many of us, reading the Bible and understanding the Bible and finding God through the Bible has been a journey that I think if you're a Christian, I'm hoping there's something of anger. And we're in different levels. I started there, and then later you start to realize how to read the Bible, how to actually find meat, find God, find nourishment in the Bible. Um, but all of us are on different levels, and that's actually okay. Because I want to start with this scripture quickly. And this is Peter, you know, the Apostle Peter. You know, the guy who walked with Jesus for three years. You know, know the guy who pretty much had good theology because he, he learned theology from Jesus, right? He writes the following in 2 Peter 3 verse 15 about Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. He's speaking about the letters that we have in the New Testament. As he does in all his letters when he speaks, of, um, when he speaks in them, of these matters, and then listen to what he says here, and this should let you sigh of relief. There are some things in them, in these letters of Paul's, that are hard to understand. Say amen, Peter. <laughs> I didn't hear you. Amen, Peter. <laughs> Who is honest enough like Peter to say, man, there's some things this Paul guy says that just, <laughs> it's like really difficult to understand. Come put your hand up. Okay, if your hand was not up, I rebuke you. <laughs> Because you make me feel bad. <laughs> but there are some, some, things, some things, man. When, when, when Paul speaks about the rest of God, it's, it's amazing to read it. And there are some nuggets in there. But I really have to take my time. And it's not that easy to understand. And I want to just dispel the misconception that picking up the Bible and reading it is always just going to be easy. It's not. It's not the way that God made it. God put His Word in a book format. Now, you can imagine that God can't be caught up in a book, right? He can't. But to an extent, He gives us this revelation of Him caught up in words, printed onto paper. And so I must understand that if I'm going to try and get to know God through the book, through the Word of God, it's not always going to be easy. And you know, I like Peter. You all know I like Peter. Such a humble guy. So true. So difficult to understand. <laughs> then he says, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Beautiful here that Peter also, this is just a side note, that he takes uh, Paul's letters and he says, like other scriptures. So he immediately sees Paul's letters circulating at that time as scripture. So you can quickly sigh a sigh of relief. Just go, ah. You know, Jesus, the disciples came to him and they said, teach us how to pray. And I read that and I think, ah. It's okay, I, I get taught how to pray. It's not always the easiest thing to pray. And this scripture to me says, ah, it's okay when sometimes I struggle to read the Bible. Any of you ever been there where you read and you read over a portion three or four times and you're like, what did I just read? <laughs> and you need to go back to it. Now, I always think of it like this. Uh, sometimes when someone stands up to preach, there are just some people who are easier to follow, am I right? There's some preachers that stand up here and they leave and someone asks you, what did they say? You say, you say I have no clue, but it was amazing. 
I don't know what they said. I couldn't follow the train of their thought, but it was amazing. Anyone ever like that? I was thinking, we're going to put a little list up and we'll rate all the elders. Who can you follow the best? Who can you follow the worst? And if my name is somewhere in there, I'm going to rebuke you as well. <laughs> but I think sometimes of Scripture like that, like sometimes I read it and, and there's always something that triggers my heart. There's always something beautiful in it, but there are times when I'm just like, it's really difficult to follow. It really is, and that's actually okay. And I want to just start by, by saying that. And I think the big reason, one of the big reasons why it's so difficult to understand and read the Bible at times today is because we've made it a me thing and not a we thing. And I think throughout history, it's not actually ever, up until the last, I don't know, four, five hundred years, has it become a me thing. You see, for the longest time, the Bible was not accessible like it is today. There are people that offered up their lives who died to get a Bible copy in our hands. If you don't have a Bible, you need to get a Bible. Or come to any of us afterwards, we'll give you a Bible. I want you to have a Bible to read. And I want to say, not just the app on your phone. You need a hard copy. I think it's better. I think you can open it up. You can keep it separate. You can make notes in it. It is just better. I, I, get, the, I get the draw of having it on, on a device. But I think there's something of having a physical hard copy Bible. And I want to encourage you to go get one if you don't have one or ask, and we'll give you one. But there are people who died for it because for the longest time, the Bible or manuscripts or, or these scrolls that were read out of was not accessible to the average Joe. Not everyone had, had access to it. See, the early Jews in the Old Testament, they had these scrolls where the Bible was written on. The Pentateuch, that's the first five books of the Bible. If you were a little Jew, then you, I don't know why you're laughing. Some of you are laughing. <laughs> if you were a young Jew, you were taught to memorize the Pentateuch, and you were, mem you were taught to do that in a group format. It was not something that you did on your own because there weren't enough of these manuscripts because they had to be written down by hand carefully because it was the Word of God. You can't make mistakes on it. It had to be carefully written down letter by letter. And so it wasn't so easy to come by. So what they did is they would gather in groups and they would get taught the Bible and memorize the Bible together because if I memorize it, then no one can take it away from me. How easy for us, we just have our Bible. They had to, word for word, let me go there quickly, memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That is about this much of the Bible. This, not this much, this much. They had to memorize off by heart to get it into them because it just wasn't such an easy thing. And I think we've become so blasé with the Word of God. And we're like, no, it's my Bible. Yes, for them it was like our Bible. We came together and we read the Bible. The early Christians, when we read in the New Testament, they circulated the letters that were passed around by the apostles. So it wasn't like everyone made a photocopy of the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians and sent it around. It wasn't like that. It was read in public and spoken about in public. And so if you got to know the Word of God, you got to know it in context of other people that could help you understand the Word of God. If you were looking to buy a Bible, I did some research into how much it would have cost you. They guessed, to the best of their ability, they guessed that the worth of a Bible when they started making Bibles before the printing press was invented, it cost you about 18,000 Rand for a Bible. 18,000 Rand. Now you can imagine during those times when many people did not have that type of money, 
that this thing was an important thing. And if someone had it, we would gather around that person to say, please, let's read together, let's understand together. But in our modern society, the way that we live today, we just go and sit in our room and we've made it too much of a private thing. Am I saying we shouldn't make it a private thing? No, it's, I think it's the blessing of God that each of us has to, is able to own one of these. But we need to realize that it's okay to get help. Can you say that with me? It's okay to get help. And say this with me, it's necessary to get help. It's necessary to get help. This is not kringa in a boss, which you can pick up and understand, okay? It's not that. It's not to kill a mockingbird. This is not what it is. It's not a, it's, it's not a novel. The Bible, I want to almost say it's more like poetry than it is like a novel. There are parts that read like a novel, but a lot of it is almost more like poetry. You have to stand still. You have to look at the meaning, and we're going to go through some of those things. So I want to start by that, by saying that before we get into some tips in how to read the Bible. Firstly, it's okay that it's sometimes difficult. Secondly, we all need help. Anyone feeling better already? <laughs> okay, I'm hoping so. So, five tips in uh, reading through the Bible. So it's just five. There are so many ways and so many things that I think all of us can learn along the line. But what I want to say is these things are what we call hermeneutics. It's interpreting the Bible. It's understanding what God meant when he said something in the Bible. Because too many Christians read the Bible like this. You open it up, you go, please, Jesus, let it fall where it may. (laughs) Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. (laughs) That's literally what it says there. And you're like, God, I must be in a prison of some sorts, Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm going to go to prison, please, Lord. That's how we read the Bible, but that's not what that portion means, and that's not the way that we should primarily read it. Sometimes God does that. Sometimes He does, but primarily I think there are other more beneficial ways for us to read the Bible. So we're going to go through five tips. Those are Leonard's tips, Leonard's basic principles of hermeneutics or basic principles of understanding and interpreting the Bible. Okay, so... Are you ready to go on an adventure? (laughs) Okay, let's hope this adventure goes well. Who can give me, and we're not going to go, we're going to do like three, four, five verses at most. (laughs) That minister to you, don't give me some whack thing of Judas dying on the, killing himself or whatever. Give me something that stood out to you uh, in the last while. Yes. (laughs) There's no Romans 18. I can see that you... (laughs) Romans 1, verse 18 to 19, we can look at that. Anyone else with a suggestion? Proverbs 2, let me just first go to Romans 8. Let me just see if if it's anointed enough. (laughs) Romans, if you're looking for it in your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Romans, you'll find it there. (laughs) Romans 1, verse 8 and 9. 18 and 19. Why do you want to do that now? <laughs> okay, we can do that. Let's do something else first. Let's get more suggestions. Yes. I don't mind anyone. So the, the idea with this is that obviously we're going to read different portions of the Bible. And these tips that I want to give, I'm, I, I believe you can apply it anywhere in the Bible. So it's not that I have anything against this. I'm just looking for something that will be beneficial to us. Someone add something there. John 4, let me look at that. What's it about? The woman at the well, yes. Let's do that. 
John 4, give me the exact reference. 21 to 25. Okay. Are we going to do that? Are you ready? Mr. A.V., John 1. Whoa. John 4, wow. <laughs> I'm joking. I actually had Ulrich saying that to me before, and then I put it, and I'm joking. It's just... <laughs> Okay, let's first read this together. Now, if you've got a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the pews, and tonight, of all night, you are welcome to open up the Bible on your phone if you want to do that. We will pray for Jesus' forgiveness, Um, but it should be fine. Or you can look on the screen, that's okay as well, and if all of those things fail, you can go sit next to a Christian, and they will help you. (laughs) John 4, verse 21, let's read together. Let me read there, because you have got the... Uh, the ESV. I've got the NIV here. Jesus said to her, it's this woman at the well. We're going to look at, I don't want to give context because that's the point of what I'm about to say later. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what you know, what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming. You is called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Is that verse 25? That's 25, okay. Okay. Truth be told, this is not the easiest portion to interpret, actually. I've, I've done it. I've preached on this. Um, but I think it's still a good one to look at. So let's, let's go through that. So uh, tip number one, if you want to write this down. Maybe, maybe let me read all five of them together, and then I'm going to go through them one by one. And we're going to actually do it as an exercise and see if we can land somewhere where we can end with seeing something new about God tonight. So number one, tip number one is look through the book. Look through the book. Tip number two, look at the past. Can I move on? Tip number three, look at the context. Tip number four, look at the rest of the Bible. Tip number five, look at the application. Look at the application. So it's look through the book, look at the past, look at the context, look at the rest of the Bible, look at the application. And what I want to say about these things is sometimes when you start, it might feel mechanical. Remember the first time when you started riding bicycle and you had to concentrate on every single thing that you did? Concentrate on holding your hand still, concentrate on balancing, concentrate on actually pedaling, right? (laughs) Because if you don't do that, you fall. It feels mechanical when you started driving a car, but now does anyone think about how you drive a car anymore? Most of us don't. Or when you drive a bicycle, it comes automatically. And I think with many of these things, it might feel mechanical when you start, but as you do it more and more, it's going to start feeling natural and you're going to start digging into the Bible and seeing more of God automatically. Does that make sense? No, you're right. (laughs) Okay, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I'm losing you. I, don't, I hope I'm not losing you. <laughs> Look through the book. Now, here's the one thing when it comes to reading the Bible that I think is one of the biggest pitfalls that people can fall into, is we 
fall into the trap, and I say many people get to this point, where it's no longer the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. We make this book God. And I want to say, although I know it's controversial, or it might, not, it, it might feel like a shocker to you, but this book is not God. It speaks about God, but it is not God. This, for me, is more of a, a binoculars, as I see it. I use it to see more of God. I don't find God in you per se. This is something that helps me see more of God. And the beautiful thing about the Bible is it is the framework in which God chooses to work. Like God is going to do nothing that is not in Scripture, meaning he's not going to tell you to marry an unsaved person if within Scripture he said, do not be yoked together with an unbeliever. He's, he's pulled boundaries and he said, these are the boundaries in which I will operate. Now, here's the thing. God will not, I wrote this down, God does not move outside of the boundaries of Scripture, but He does move outside of your interpretation of the boundaries of Scripture. Meaning when you read the Bible, if you do not see it as this not being God, but this being a way to understand God better, this might even limit your understanding of God. Because you can get so entrenched in the theology, so entrenched in the, in the understanding in the knowledge of this book, that you forget that this book is about knowing someone, not about knowing something. And so what I'd like for us to do is the first thing, when you pick up the Bible, to remember this. Don't look at the book. Look through the book to the one that it's about. And so as you read the Bible, we must remember that it is all about God. It's all about getting to know God better. It's not about building up knowledge primarily. Now, building up knowledge is not a bad thing in itself. The Bible does say that we need to, that we need to um, serve God with all of our mind as well, all of our strength with everything and even our mind. So it's good that we understand, but understanding cannot just be information. Now, I've, I've sometimes said this, that information needs to lead to revelation, meaning what I read here needs to let me see something. Revelation is what I see. Information is only what I understand. So I need to take what I understand and translate that to revelation. Like, what do I see in the Bible? I pick it up, I read it, but as I look through it, what is the revelation that I can get here? Because that's the only way that it's going to lead to transformation. Information in itself can be dead. The Bible says to us, actually, that the, the Spirit brings life, but the, the, the pen can bring death. Meaning, if we live this way, that everything is about information, everything is about law, and I read the Bible to just adjust my behavior, I'm going to get in trouble. But actually, I should read it to say, this teaches me about a God. And as I learn about this God, it changes me. That's what I want. So use this, if I, if I can say as a binoculars, or as a window, in a sense. As I read through the Bible, I say, God, you, I want to use this as a window. And one of the things that I've learned is that as I read it, if I read it and I've fallen into the trap of, of only trying to accumulate knowledge, then I go through it too quickly. I just skim over parts of the scripture because I just want to gain information. I just want to understand. I just want more, more, more. But in a sense, I want to say to you, when you read the Bible, sometimes quantity is good, but many times it's quality over quantity. You don't want to say, how much can I get in? You want to say, how much of God can I see? And if I need to stop with one verse or one word, then that's fine because I want to get to know God. Amen?
All right. So I want to encourage you, as you pick up the Bible, to actually take your time. So when you pick up the Bible in the morning, I, I like spending time with God in the morning. I find it's the best time. I'm freshest. In the evening, my mind is all over the place, and I just want to get to bed, or there's always other things to do. In the morning, I wake up, I'm fresh. It's the first thing I do. I want to put out that first time in my day with God. And as I do that, I um, tease James on his birthday list. By the way, it's James's birthday. Happy birthday, James. <laughs> Aren't you like the age that Jesus died now or something? I'm <laughs> joking. <laughs> Um, but James, on his birthday list, he had a specific pen that he said, I want this pen, pen for better Bible study, for more, for improved Bible study. He feels like that is the pen if you want to really do Bible study. But I want to say there's something beautiful in when you get to the Bible that you don't just rush through it for, for information, but I say, I have my pen, I have my ruler, I have my highlighter, whatever I want to use, because I want to really stand still and go through it slowly and make notes. You know, they, I don't know the quote exactly, but it says, a, a, a Bible that's broken belongs to a Christian that's not broken. Well, how does that go? <laughs> how does that thing go? Oh, clean Bible, dirty Christian. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. That's it. <laughs> so, actually, when you pick up the Bible, if you want to look through the Bible to see God, you are going to have to stand still and take your time. Your Bible's not going to be anything. You know, when I open up the Bible, many times I write questions in my Bible. What the heck does this mean? <laughs> I write that. And then I want to go wrestle with God through that because my ultimate aim is not to know what the verse says. I want to understand it in my heart. And I want it to change my life and how I live for my Savior. And so I want to really encourage you, get a pen, get a highlighter, make your Bible something that looks bad because then you're going to look good. But get into it. I just bought this Bible, so I'm just looking first for my improved Bible study pen that James is going to help me get. So I haven't started highlighting any of it. My old Bible, it's full of little notes. And the second time I read a book, I get a different color pen and I go over it again. And after a while, it looks so messy in my Bible, but that's the way that I like it because I'm digging for truth. I'm not just reading for information. So that's the place you start. In the morning, you pick up your Bible. And you say, God, please help me. You start by praying. You start by praying because these tips are going to help. But actually, the best thing you can do is say, God, help me. Help me. And you say, please, Lord, as I look at this passage, won't you show me something of you? Won't you help me to look through this book so that I can see you on the other end? So let's actually do that now as we look at this, this passage that you can put up again. Just where you are. This is going to be a different type of message because I want us to actually act this out. Can I ask you where you are, that you would just stand still. You can pray out loud. You can pray quietly if you want. You can whisper. But just pray that prayer, just for a moment, because this is, I think, the way that we should start. We should humble our hearts and say, God, you teach me. You teach me. Just pray where you are. Father, as we look at your word now, uh, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, Lord, that we would see more of you, 
God, I pray that you would take away the, the temptation in us to only want to accumulate knowledge without getting to the knowledge of you. And I pray just as we look at this passage and as we look at passages in the weeks to come and in this holiday time to come, that you would help us to really find you on the other end. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think that's a good way to start. Secondly, when you read the Bible, you look at the past. You look at the past. So the, the main thing that we need to understand here is when the Bible was written, and this might be such a shocker to our me generation, the Bible was not written to you. It was written for you, but it was not written to you. In fact, most of the Bible, well, all of the Bible, had different groups that it was addressed to. And we need to learn to, before we say, as I pick up the Bible, it, it can't all be me, 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 you know, because that's normally where we start. What does this say about me? But as we learned in the first thing, the Bible is not primarily about you, it's about God. And God had specific groups that he wrote in. If we can get to a place where we ask, God, what, this, what did what I'm reading mean to the original reader, then I'm going to get a better understanding of what God actually means to me, means for me. So I don't just go to me, I need to take a bit of a detour and say, cool, God, firstly, what did it mean to them? Then what does it mean for me? I'm going to... Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to actually do that now and just quickly look at, look at the past of what, um, what it was actually in that part. But I want to say this is exactly where we need some help. Because if I open up the Bible and I open up um, the book of Galatians, for instance, it really is difficult for me to know who the Galatians were. Because it wasn't written to you, Pity or Sunny. It was written to the church in Galatia. And that's easy to see. Let me open up one of the books in the Bible quickly and we'll just see. Um, let me actually go to Acts, the beginning of the book of Acts, and you can do this basically with any book in the Bible, and you'll see that it wasn't written for you. Here we go, in the book of Acts, it says, in my former book, Luke, I was writing to you, no, or in my former book, Yanre, this is what I was saying to you, there's a Luke and Yanre sitting here, that's the joke, some of you didn't catch it, <laughs> no, it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. So this guy's former book, Acts, is, um, it's Dr. Luke, and he's the one that wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote it to someone called Theophilus. And so then it's good to understand who was Theophilus, why was this book written, because if I understand that, I'm going to understand more of what that book says and why it said what it says. So I want to give you a few things, and is Alina here tonight? She's not here. She, has she posted on the Studies PM group or not yet? Has she? Okay. So there's a couple of resources that we posted on the Stelly's PM group that I want to encourage you throughout this holiday time to actually go use. If you're not on that group, ask one of the Josh Jenners or, I mean, one of the Christians, or, I mean, one of the Josh Jenners to send you, <laughs> to, um, to send you uh, some of those resources. But what I want to encourage you is actually to pick up some of these things to understand why the book was written. So there's a book that I love. These are two Leonard recommendations. If there are dodgy things in there, I can't vouch for all of it. These things have helped me, Leonard. There's a book called Unlocking the Bible it's by David Pawson. It's a brilliant book. And so what I do is before I start reading a book in the Bible, I open up David Pawson's book, Unlocking the Bible, or I go onto YouTube and he's got a list for every book of the Bible. He's got a 45 to 50 minute teaching on that book to give you context of why that book was written. I want to encourage you, before you read the next book in the Bible, do that. Go watch his video or get his book. His book is 150 Rand on Take-A-Lot. I don't think that's a lot. I think it's a good investment. For me, 
Hey? It's a thick book like this. <laughs> and the videos are free on YouTube. And then there's also a YouTube page called um, The Bible Project, which has really, uh, it's got really good videos specifically on the books of the Bible. And I've posted those on the Staley's PM group for you to go through and have a look at through this holiday time. I hope this is helpful. You, you know, I, this is a different type of teaching. I, I, didn't, I shouldn't apologize for it, but it's, it's different. But I'm, I'm trying to equip you and make this real and not just make it theoretical. So what I do is I look through that and I get the context of why these books were written. So when we get to this, um, we're going to see that, I mean, I, I didn't do this now, but we, we're in the book of John. And so I would go and look at one of these books, and I would, in the beginning of the book of John, as a, before I start reading it, there's normally a little bit of space there, I would take a pen or a pencil, and small, as I'm looking through that video, to give me context, or as I read, things that stand out for me, that give me context about the book, I would make little notes there. I would literally squeeze it in all over the page. Because in any time in the book of John, I get stuck. I remember to ask myself, but why did he write? And I'd go back to the first page, and I would go, look, what are the things that stood out there for me about why he wrote this? Because, for instance, in the book of, the, the book of Romans, there, there was a big conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles in that church. And if I understand that, then when it speaks about the Jews and the Gentiles, it gives me better context of why Paul would say the things that he did in the book of Romans. And so we need to... We need to actually do that and ask ourselves, what did it mean to the original readers? Um, I didn't do this for the book of John, so I can't really tell you. John was one of the apostles, and what I do know is he wrote down a very lengthy, uh, well, Luke was actually the, most, the lengthiest one, if I'm not mistaken. Was it Luke or John? Luke. Luke, Dr. Luke was actually the one that wrote the lengthiest account of Jesus, uh, but John also wrote an account of Jesus. He walked with him, he knew him. And so this was basically writing down all the things that Jesus didn't say. With the Gospels, it's maybe a little bit easier to understand, right? Some of the other books, it's a little bit more complicated. When it gets to the Old Testament, you really need to do your homework before you read it. Because if you pick up the book of Isaiah and you just start reading it, <laughs> anyone ever been caught there and you're like, what the heck is this guy speaking about? <laughs> just feel like I'm just going through the pages, but I have no clue what it means for me. But let me tell you, there are gems in there. There are gems if you understand why it was written originally. Okay, number three, look at the context. So look at the context of where this thing was written in. The context means this. If you read any passage in the Bible, you also read what it says before that, and you read what it says after that. Every word in the Bible is in context of a sentence. Every sentence is in context of a paragraph. Every pa paragraph is in context of a section that was put out in your Bible, every section is in context of a book in the Bible, every book in a Bible is in context, and we won't get to this, this is maybe a little bit more of a specific genre, which also helps you if you know the genre that it was written in, is it historical, is it poetic, is it um, prophetic, because that helps you to understand it better, and every genre is in context of a testament or a covenant, is it part of the old covenant, is it, is it part of the new covenant? So if I look at the context, it helps me understand what I'm reading in that little portion. This is probably, I would say, one of the most important ones, especially when you get to the Old Testament. Because if you read the Old Testament, and who, who believes we should do what the Bible says? Okay? <laughs> should do what the Bible says. Well, sort of. <laughs> should do what the Bible says. Let me read you a quick scripture here. No, not many of you have built houses, but maybe your parents have or people that you know 
have built houses. It says in Deuteronomy 22 verse 8, I just picked this as an example. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof. <laughs> parapet is a little wall for your roof at the top, okay? Um, that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. <laughs> so anyone studying architecture here, I'm hoping that if you're a Christian architect, you always draw a parapet on the roof. <laughs> Here's another one. The Bible says that when you walk into the, when you come together, greet one another with a holy kiss. Anyone did that when you walked in? There we go. There's a holy kiss here. Was it your girlfriend, Dom? Because then it doesn't count. <laughs> but the Bible says greet one another with a holy kiss. And why don't we do that? Because inherently we know that the Bible needs to be interpreted. Yes, I need to do what it says, but I need to look at what it meant for those people and in context. I need to look at it. When I do that, when I understand this, this principle well, it actually helps me to something that doesn't directly apply to me to still get something out of it. Let me take this scripture for example. We have building plans in now that we want to build an extra room because we'd love to host people. That's the biggest thing. We can't host people in our home. Uh, we can, but it's really difficult. So we'd love to build an extra room. We didn't put a parapet uh, around, around the extra room that's on the second story. So some of you might think I'm going to leave Josh in right now. This guy is not obedient to the Bible. <laughs> But I would say because I understand the context, because I go and read this, and I know the book of Deuteronomy, I had a quick Google, the Deuteronomy means this, a Deuteronomy, Hebrew, de Devarim, or words, is the fifth book in the Old Testament, written in the form of a farewell address by Moses to the Israelites before they entered the promised land of Canaan. Just knowing that helps me understand that Moses was giving instructions for the people of God going into a new city. So he was not just giving them religious things to do. He was also telling them how to build the city, okay? Just that helps me. And so today, I'm not living in Israel anymore, so I don't have to do that. And Israel is already built. But what I can do is I can look at this and say, but what does it say to me about God? I'm not applying it. I'm not doing it per se. But what does it say about God? Well, I think, any, any guesses? What does this verse say about God? Anyone? Yes. He takes care of his children. Yeah. Anyone else? He is wise. God is wise. He doesn't just choose to do stupid things. Yes. Yeah, he actually gives us practical things in our lives that help us. So I can read this thing that actually has no application to me, but I can still take something about God because I understand the context of it. Does that make sense, people? I can get things in the Old Testament that was not directly written to me or in the New Testament, but still apply it to my life. So let's quickly look at that, um, that's, that scripture again. I'm going to go off by heart here, uh, but we are in John 4. Uh, we said from verse 21. From 21. So I'm going to quickly read here, and um, this is just off by heart, but if you were to read this, the important thing if you had to get this scripture is, you have to ask yourself, what does it say before? What does it say after? What does it say in that old portion? So firstly, let's start here. The first word is the word woman. Okay? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All the women. Amen. <laughs> it's like, the first word is the word woman. Now, a good question, if, if someone sent you this and said, I just want to encourage you with this scripture. Or God speaks to you, you're praying, and God says, go read this portion. My first question would be, 
cool, Jesus is speaking to this woman, but who is this woman? Who is this woman? If I look at the, 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 the um, paragraph or the chapter that it's in, I would say, it says here, Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan woman? Now, if you start reading the Bible, maybe you pick up, and you don't always have to do this, but you pick up a, um, uh, a study Bible, you would see if you read these things, and as you start getting to know the context, if you go through David Pawson's things, you would realize some of these things as you learn it. But Jews did not often speak to Samaritans. And so that tells me the first thing, Jesus had a divine appointment with this lady. It didn't just happen because as a Jew, you wouldn't have just bumped into her. Then I'm just going to go off of what I know here. Uh, I'm not going to read through all of it. If you read a couple of passages before this, you will see that Jesus was actually on his way to a different town. Let me see. He ended up in Samaria. I don't know if I'm going to find it here. If anyone finds it, um, he was on his way to Galilee, and he was from somewhere else. If you go look on a map, this is just some interesting things. Then uh, the, the, he, was, well, he found her in Samaria. Samaria is not actually on the route that Jesus was taking. So it means, again, I would say, if, he was, if this was point A, Jesus was going to point B, the place where he ended up was over here. That's interesting, right? All of this is coming through context. So Jesus, again, had a divine appointment with that lady. He wanted to teach us something. He wanted to teach her something. Then I look at this and I find that it was midday when the woman went to fetch her water. Now that's interesting because midday in those places, it's the warmest, it's the warmest time of the day. The woman normally would go fetch the water in the morning or in the evenings when it's cool. But this lady goes in the afternoon. Why would she do that? Well, actually, the Bible tells us why, that she, why she would do that, because she was an outcast. Because, uh, because of the things that she did, and she was a sinful woman, she would married a couple of times, divorced a couple of times. All of these things you read, and, uh, and she was an outcast. She went on her own. People did not respect her. And so at midday, she goes on her own, and then Jesus starts speaking to her. Um, I hope I've got all of these things right. I do. <laughs> I believe I do. He starts speaking to her, and then if you read a couple of verses before that, you would see that Jesus asked her to give water to him. And again, she says, and all of these things, it's not like you have to be a scholar to understand it. She says here, why would you ask a Samaritan to get you water? Again, if I, if I read it carefully, don't just skim over it, don't just run through it. I read it carefully. I take every sentence and I think, what does this mean? Jesus is saying, she's saying to Jesus, why would you ask a Samaritan woman? So I, I learned there that it's not custom. Jesus is going outside of the norm. He's going to do something now. And he says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water and you will never thirst again. And Jesus comes and he tells her all of the things of her past. I, I'm, I'm not going to go through all of these things. I don't know if this exercise is working so well, but that's okay. But he, he comes to her and he actually makes this appointment and teaches her about the living water. And he says, if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. So he uses the surroundings to say, you haven't tasted of me yet. And then he comes to the passage that we read now, and he speaks about true worship. And as far as I understand it, back in those times, you had to go worship on specific mountains. Uh, you, you went to holy places, and Jesus said to her, no, the time is changing. Well, it's no longer about that. It's not just worshiping me like that. It's worshiping me in spirit and in truth. I want you to get to know me on the inside, to taste the living water, so that the living water can flow through you, Okay. Am I making sense here? All of that you would not have known if you just read a little portion of Scripture. So my encouragement to you is don't just jump around in the Bible. Find a book that you want to read. Do some research about it. Go through it slowly. 
and go through it from the beginning to the end. I want to actually say, if you can read more than one chapter at a time, push yourself sometimes to read more than one chapter unless there's something that pops out at you and that you know God is on this and I need to stay here and not move on. Read it a little bit more because as you read more, you understand the context of it. And I think those things are really important. Sometimes i found that as I read through... Um, well, I'll, I'll get to that one in the, next, in the next point. I better start ending, actually. So don't read randomly as a, as a rule. Number four, tip number four. Look at the rest of the Bible. So don't just look at that point. You know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you would realize that, um, that there's something that doesn't make sense to you. You don't understand it. And I, I heard this quote once, and it, it actually made so much sense to me. It taught me a lot. It says, nothing true is new, and nothing new is true. So normally if there's this new thing that jumps out at you that you think no one has this revelation, no one's ever taught me this, I've not heard this anywhere, many times, and, and it's a weird thing, normally it's a weird thing, then you go and you say, well, maybe I just need to read the rest of the Bible to understand. I need to look at other scriptures to help me interpret what I read in this part. And to get to do that, you need to actually get to know the Bible. A helpful thing is many Bibles have cross-references, so if you read something, it will say that you can read about the specific thing that happens here in other parts of the Bible, then do that. Sometimes if something stands out to you, go look at what it says in other parts of the Bible. But um, I want to encourage you that sometimes, yes, I want revelation when I read, but many times I'm also just reading so that I can understand the full counsel of Scripture, more of Scripture, so that when I read something that doesn't make sense, I know what it says in other places. I see it as this. Sometimes, every time you pick up the Bible and read, it's not always going to feel like there's amazing revelation that comes out of heaven. For some people, not for me, <laughs> okay? Sometimes it does, but not every time. How I see it is I'm putting a log on the fireplace. And then tomorrow I read again and I'm trusting and I'm seeking God and I'm putting another log on the fireplace. And then the next day I put another log on the fireplace. All it needs is as I'm putting more and more log on the fireplace, when the spark of the Spirit comes and He speaks to me, there's more logs to burn and the fire grows bigger. And so I found it like that. Even if I'm reading now and it doesn't make, do something massive in my heart at the moment, I know that when the Holy Spirit speaks about something else, because I've been plowing into it for such a long time, all the bits are going to make sense and it's going to make one big fire. I remember doing that once and reading different passages of the, of the Bible, and I got to a portion where it speaks about these massive sins. And at that same time, I was reading about Noah. Just going to give you a brief illustration, and then I'm, I shouldn't actually. It's taking too much time. But um, I read these massive sins, and one of the sins, it's, it speaks about these heavy things, and I'm like, yeah, people are so bad that do those things. They're so bad, these sinners. And then it says people who are disobedient to parents. I'm like, well, that's not so bad. <laughs> but actually, I knew that if God said it there, then it was bad. And at that moment, I realized that a couple of weeks earlier, I read about Noah and about how his children did not honor him. And there was a curse put upon them, not because they gossiped about him, just because they didn't honor him. And in that moment, God spoke to my heart, and it was like the log that I put on the fireplace a couple of weeks ago and the log that I put on that morning together, he just put a, a piece, a spark there. And that thing burnt, and it convicted me, and I realized that my relationship with my mom is not where it should be. Pick up the phone, repent about it, change my actions. Okay? We need to read the Bible. We need to get to know it in different parts and know what the rest of the Bible says as well. 
Jesus did this in Matthew 4, verse 5 to 7. The devil comes to Jesus and he, he quotes scripture to him. Scripture can confuse you. The devil was trying to con confuse Jesus with scripture. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle at the temple and said to him, he's quoting scripture. This is scripture. God will command his angels concerning you and, also quoting scripture, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against any stone. The devil is quoting scripture. <laughs> the devil can use scripture to confuse you, but if you know the whole counsel of scripture, this is what Jesus did. Jesus replies with scripture, and he correctly interprets scripture. He says, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. We need to know the Bible. Because otherwise, you know, there are confusing things that might come across your path. A little error can lead you astray. But if I know the full counsel of scripture, if I get people to help me, I get to actually interpret the Bible, let the Bible interpret the Bible. And that's important. Finally, um, look at the application. I'm going to read you the scripture and then I'm going to almost end. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is what the Bible is. It is able to speak to us. It's able to change us. It's able to show us things about God that will change the way that we serve God. And that is the way that we want to read the Bible. So what I do want to encourage you is as you read the Bible, to take notes. I said it before. And if you want to get a notebook, get a notebook. Have a Bible notebook that you write things that stand out for you. You don't have to write every verse over into your notebook. Write the things that you learn that stands out for you. Journal what you're reading through the Bible. And then what I want to encourage you to do is take those things and pray about it. Ask, what does it say about God and what does it say about me and what can I do about it? Okay? What can I do about it? So, um, what I normally do is if I take notes, as I said, I've always got my pen with me as I read the Bible, and I'll write little notes on the side, little squidgels, because there's no space there. I'll make little notes on the side, and then when I start praying after I, I've read the Bible, I normally keep it open at that place, and the things that stood out for me, the little places that I underline, I'll pray about those things, and I'll say, God, what does this say about you? Maybe it's something beautiful about God, then I'll take that, and I'll keep my Bible with me as I pray. And I'll say, thank you, God, for showing me this. Lord, thank you that I need to adjust in this area. Please help me adjust. Sometimes I'll even take a little notebook and I'll write action points of things that God has convicted me of and say, God, this is what I need to do after reading this this morning. Or this is an area that I need to praise you for. Or these are people that I need to pray for. I need to apply the scripture. It's not only knowledge, but it changes me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand.